This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hour two of the Jeff Merrick Show. Matt Marchese in for Jeff. He's in Lake Placid, New York. And uh, he will be back on Monday. We're just waiting to connect with uh, our pal Elliot Friedman here. He's already sick of me. Talk to me once. He's talked to me once this year. I haven't bothered him with texts. I haven't done any of that stuff. That's been David's job to bother Elliot. And he doesn't even want to talk to me anymore. I would love to know what I did wrong. Besides just speak to Elliot in general. Um, there was some news out of the Calgary skate today. Jacob Markstrom day to day, according to Ryan Huska, and maybe we see a Dustin Wolf debut tomorrow. Looks like Dan Vladar will be tending the pipes for the Calgary Flames tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I want to have this conversation with Elliot about something that Chris Tanev said about Jonathan Huberdeau still figuring out things that he can do in the Western Conference, or, or could do in the Eastern Conference that he can't do in the Western Conference. It's a very interesting thing because I don't, I know that maybe stylistically it's a little bit different, but it's not drastically different that you can and can't do certain things. Like, what am I missing here? He's on the line now. Mr. Elliot Freeman, I, I thought you didn't want to talk to me today. It's only the first time I spoke to you yesterday this season, and I was like, oh, Elliot's already sick of me. Well, that's true, but I just had to pay for my lunch. Oh, oh, that thing again. What did you have for lunch? Uh, I'm at uh, Landwer. I had their famous big breakfast. It's excellent. Oh, okay. All right, put it on the bucket list. All right, next time. Uh, so you were, you were at the skate today for the, the Calgary Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll start with Calgary here. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, day-to-day, maybe a Dustin Wolf uh, start tomorrow, his debut. Um, any idea what the injury is that Markstrom is dealing with? They said upper body very minor. These guys kill me with these upper body things. It really does draw. Anyway, I get it. Um, I gotta tell you, for a long time, I agreed with you on this, uh, Marchese. But then I had one player pull me aside one day and said, you know, if we read exactly what an injury is, we'd be targeted. So I kind of said, okay, like, you know, I, 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 can, I can understand that. But they do it in the NFL, and it doesn't feel like that's an issue, though. Like, am I missing something here? Well, I think in the NFL, I mean, I'm sure that, look, do, do I generally feel that we should have more honesty when it comes to injuries? Yes, I do. I'm, uh, sure. I never argue against that. And um, I, I really do feel that, especially now, thank you so much, if we're going to take gambling money, that we should be, try to be honest about it. But... Uh, and, and the NFL, to its credit, is very honest about how much gambling matters to its overall economy. So, yes, you're right. But to say that players don't target it, I think would be naive. Yeah, I, I, that's fair. I, I, I understand that. I mean, if you're not, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So I, I totally understand that. Um, what was yes, the, what was I've the, seen you play cards. <laughs> I don't play them very well. I don't gamble very well either. Um, 
So what was the vibe like at the Calgary skate today? Because it, it's certainly not been um, a start to the season that, that anybody could have anticipated here. Are, are, are the players kind of loose? Are they a little bit tight right now? Like what kind of sense did you get being around the flames today? You know how it goes. Uh, you know how it goes, Matt. It's a lot of it comes down to like, how are your last couple of games? Um, you know, how far are you out of the playoffs? Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the vibe was, was very poor around them. There's, there's no question about that. But, you know, they, they've won a couple of games. They're two points out of a playoff berth. Uh, I think there's just a – bye. Thanks very much, guys. Um, there's, uh, there's just generally a better feeling. Like, thank you so much. You're, you're, you're in a situation where you're kind of closer now, so you feel a lot better about yourself. And I think that's where they are right now. You know, I think the one thing, too, Matt, is that, you know, they've got a lot going on about, uh, uh, you know, Hannafin looked like he was going to sign. Now that's off. The rest of the negotiations are off. And I think, you know, some players, like, like a can of, I think he can handle all that. I, I think he's been through that before and he can handle it. You know, other guys, it weighs on them a little bit. Plus, you've got the whole Huberto thing. There's a lot flying around, but at the end of the day, Marchese, They've won a couple games. They're they're right at they're just outside of the playoffs. You feel overall better because of that. Uh, from the Toronto side of things, um, looks like John Klingberg is out tonight. Jake McCabe will take his spot. Is this something? And you know, we kind of touched on John Klingberg yesterday. Is this maybe something where he needs to sit in the press box just honestly to give himself a break right now and just kind of reassess his game and and just kind of figure out where he's at. Well, I thought it was very interesting with Sheldon Keith today. Um, Sheldon Keith today decided that he was going to take one for his player. And, you know, he walked out there, and uh, I, was at this, I was there for the media conference, and he said, I know you guys are going to ask me about lineups, so let me fill you in. And he said, Jake McCabe is playing tonight, as you said, Matty, but he's, and John Klingberg isn't. And he, said, I wanna, he basically said, I want to make this clear. This is injury-related. He's working through some things. Now, look, Klingberg has not played well. If you watch practice yesterday, you could tell he was going to be a healthy scratch tonight. Um, but I think these are little things that a coach does that players notice. Um, you know, I don't know how many people are buying what Sheldon Keith is selling here, but the players are going to notice that he says, I know what you're all thinking, but this is what it is. So, look, Klingberg probably wasn't going to play tonight anyway. But, you know, at least he makes it an injury thing. And I don't know if you listened to the pod today, um, Maddie. I bet you the answer is no, because I know you don't like anything I do. But one of the things I talked about was, like, just in, in a player who is in the Western Conference and, um, you know, basically saying that Cleaver doesn't look right to him. He's not um, – he, he's not – He's not himself. He's not speeding like John Klingberg does. And I just wonder, and one thing I have heard about Klingberg is he has bad hips historically. So I do wonder if there is something here that they're just saying, like, he's just not himself. Um, but I, I do think this, this, this missing tonight's game was going to be part of the plan, whether he was healthy or not. 
Well, it, that sounds a lot like Robodaw Island to me is what it sounds like right now. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, and I didn't listen to your yeah. podcast because I got no sleep because I had to stay up and watch that horrid football game last night, plus all the hockey that was on. Um, so, yes. Mark, I know you hate my work. I've known you for a decade now, so don't yeah. lie to me. I understand. No, I love, I love your work. I just, I sometimes, I just, I just don't have time for it. Um, and with a, and with a young child at home that wants to get up before 6 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. Not oh, ideal I know, I right know now. That. I know that world. Yeah. yeah. I understand. It's yeah. fun. Um, you know what wasn't fun last night? Well, I mean, it's fun from a chaos perspective, uh, the Edmonton Oilers. And yeah. I mean, Elliot, I talked to Liam McHugh earlier. They just look off and I, they throw, you know, 41 shots at, at, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, San Jose blocks 35. It certainly wasn't for a lack of trying, but I, and, and Jay Woodcroft talked after the game about, you know, he's not worried about his job and and we'll hear his, his comments later on in the show, but does, does Ken Holland not owe him some sort of a move right now? Because Jay Woodcroft did not become a bad coach overnight. And this team, you know, we talk a lot about the goaltending being the issue. They're not scoring either. They have the six fewest goals per game this year like it's just everything is not working right now yes yes um it's amazing to watch in a bad way uh i never would have believed like even people who didn't think edmonton was as good as i did nobody thought that this was going to happen um i think we're all waiting to see what the fallout is going to be we've seen one move with jack campbell and we're wondering what else is going to come up it's really shocking and look mcdavid's not 100 percent it's clear Echo's not 100%, it's clear, but that doesn't excuse everything that's happened. They're, they're, you know, like, they're not getting saves, but again, like the first goal last night, they're in their zone, and, you know, um, San Jose's guy, I forgot his name right now, he's, he, he finds his way in between like three Oilers in front of the net, and he's just standing there, and he scores. And that is the kind of thing that has been hurting them all year long. They're, like statistically, if you look at the off the rush statistics, they're one of the worst teams at defending off the rush, and guys are finding holes. And you know that's that's where we are right now. I think that guys are struggling. They're not scoring. They're not getting saves, and they're not defending well. I think that that's the thing that really stands out to me is you can blame the goaltending, but you know one of the things that gives you even more license to blame goaltending if you want to do that is if you're playing incredibly well defensively in front of a struggling goaltender. They're not doing that. And last night, it looked to me like, like I really believe they don't want to fire Woodcroft. But I, and I, but I do think you get into points where you say, we may not want to do something, but we may have to do something. And I think Edmonton is getting into that area if they're not there already. I think they're looking around for trades and stuff too. But I think there's a lot of stuff on the table that they didn't think there would be any chance it would be on the table this early in the year. Um, yeah, it's just the- trying to get away from that jackhammer. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> I didn't realize that you worked construction on the side as well. Uh, very impressive, Elliot. Uh, that Thanks, was bud. it. Was Fabian Zetterlin, by the way, uh, that scored Zetterlin, that first goal? I couldn't remember who it was. Um, and even last, you know. Is you know you talked about the the struggles that this team has had, and you know whether it be the goaltending or the defensive unit, like 
Is that some sort of an indictment on some of the work that Ken Holland has done here? Because the goaltending issue was a goaltending issue when he got there, and the defensive issue was a defensive issue when he got there. And yes, he went out and signed Matthias Ekholm, but there are other questions surrounding that blue line and, of course, the goaltending. Like, I know Ken Holland said this is his last year, and maybe, you know, the problem isn't going to lie with him after this season, but does he have to go... like? Does he have to go out and do something for his coach here? Sorry, who are you talking about? Holland. Like he does he have to go out and do something for his coach here? Because a lot of this is self-inflicted. Well, I, I think he's trying. Like, um, like one of the things I heard and I talked about it on the pod today is I think they were looking really hard at a goalie this week. I, I think there was something. I got a couple of people telling me that there was something going on that they were really looking hard at, and it didn't happen. So, yes, I, I do think that Holland is looking around. Um, you know, the toughest thing is, is that, like, I, I use this line a lot. When you're struggling, the other teams aren't throwing you life preservers. They're throwing you anvils. Yeah. And they're in the worst possible situation right now because, you know, they're, if they're going to make trades, they're making them out of desperation. And, you know, uh, so that's one of the things you're really worried about here. You're, you're, you're in a position where you're like, Holy smokes, we don't want to make a trade now, but we might have to. So it adds to the level and it's a it's a big challenge. It's a it's it's a they're 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 in a position like basically I'm not afraid to, to admit, like I'm in shock about where the Oilers are. Like absolute shock. Yeah, I think I think we're all in agreement there. If somebody would have told me they would have the same amount of points as the San Jose Sharks after twelve games, I would have thought the Sharks would have found some miracle drug that they could take to make them a better hockey team. That's for certain. Uh, We had some kind of breaking news near the top of the hour, but you guys broke this story with Phil Bork on the 32 thoughts podcast last season. See, I do listen to the show Um, there. The Pittsburgh Penguins are going to retire. Yarmir Yager's number 68 on February 18th. Uh, Not so much a question, but just more of a a comment on it. We, we kind of felt like this was coming. Um, now, can we just get the guy in the Hall of Fame because he's not coming back to the NHL and he's just playing to keep his his hometown team alive? Can we do that, Elliot? Well, a year ago, I called uh, Mike Gartner, who used to run the, uh, uh, the, used to be the head of the Hall of Fame committee, and I asked him about that. And he said, look, the rules are hard and fast. And Lanny McDonald, I, I spoke to him after, and he said the same thing. He said, the rules are hard and fast three years after they retire internationally. So... Um, that that's the way it was. That they were sticking to that, and I would have liked to have seen it happen because you know he's based, as you said, he's, he's playing to keep his team alive, and I think that should be rewarded. Um, you know, we'll see. There there is a sense that this is going to be his last year as a player. We'll see. Um, and the moment he retires, you know, the path is going to be made for him. There's no doubt about that. But I, I'm really happy to see this, and I'm glad you mentioned Phil Bork. Because, yes, last year we did an interview with Phil Bork, and, you know, he was the guy the Penguins dispatched to uh, to Czech Republic to try to make peace with Yager to get this done. And it was really important to Phil that it got done, and he got it done. And, uh, look, like, Yarma Yager's a Penguin. I know everything else happened, but he's a Penguin. His 68 should be retired there. He was a huge part of their teams. And uh, all is right with the world that that's going to occur. Um. Another former Penguin uh, made some history last night. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury passes Patrick Waugh for third place on the all-time saves list. He's only five wins away from passing 
uh, Patrick Waugh for second all time in goalie wins. More of just a, a comment on the career here of Mark Andre Fleury, which has been really, really incredible. Um, do you think this is his last season in the NHL, or do you think maybe, just maybe, he tries to go for one more? Um, I don't. I, I, the one thing that stands out to me was when he went to Montreal this year. Everybody, how you doing, man? Um, when he went to Montreal this year, like it was a big family thing. You know, that's that's usually a tell. Now, you could always say, like, hey, you never know about next year, and it's Montreal and it's close to home. But I'm also really curious to see. They go to Pittsburgh around Christmas. And it's a – thanks, boy. Sure. Um, like, they go to Pittsburgh around Christmas. Okay, and I'm sure that he'll get to start there. And, you know, you always wonder, what do they do there? Like, is it a big celebration event? Is it, um, is it, is it more than just a start? And I, I think these things are tells. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to say, I, won't, I don't want to put words in Flory's mouth, but doesn't it look like a bit of a farewell tour to you? Yeah, it does. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, uh, wanted to, uh, well, you know, I was, and, and as I look at the, the numbers, I, I don't think that Marc-Andre Fleury gets named as one of the top five greatest goaltenders in the history of the National Hockey League. But when you look at the numbers, like he, he could very well surpass Patrick Waugh in less games, um, albeit, yes, a different era, understand all that, and, and with ties and everything, uh, fine. Um, but it, it's been a really impressive career, and for a time early on and and he was a young goaltender coming in and that's always a big adjustment for for any young player specifically a goaltender but there was a time where people thought you know this guy's not going to be worthy of of the selection he was in the draft and now we're looking at again one of the greatest goalies that we've seen of all time yeah he's uh you know what like he's had a pretty incredible career there's there's no doubting that you know the it's the first Stanley Cup um, you know, Murray was the leading goaltender in the other two, but you forget in 2017, you know, Murray was hurt and Fleury did a big job for them. He won some big games. Plus going and giving immediate legitimacy to Vegas. Like, he's had a hell of a career. And, you know, generally he's a pretty... I mean, the Vegas thing wasn't easy on anyone, um, but generally he's a very popular teammate. Like, people don't say bad things about him. So um, there's a lot to like about Florida in his career, and I, I think he is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and a Hall of Fame person by all accounts. I've never had any interactions with him, but everything that I've heard is he's one of the more wonderful human beings uh, that has been involved in this game. Uh, the man of the people, Elliot Friedman, uh, joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff yeah. Merrick Show. Um, so Vancouver last night, they put on another great performance. And of course, it's Elias Pedersen leading the way. Three points, now up to 24 on the year. Um, man, it feels like the number on this next contract just keeps going up and up. Like, How far north of 10 are we talking about here for Elias Pedersen on his next deal? As, as, as high as he probably wants it to be, really. Um, look, and I think the Canucks know that. Um, you know, like... He's, he's having an incredible season. Um, I mean, the team's on a real uh, save percentage. 
a shooting percentage PDO bender right now, but you ride that wave as long as you can. Um, but he's playing great. Like, you know, he basically said, I'm going to take a timeout to see what happens. He's held up his end of the bargain. And the, you know, the team is doing really well. Look, I, I have no doubt the Vancouver Canucks have an idea of, of the, the, exactly how much this is going to be. And I think they're willing to pay it. It's just a matter of a decision where, you know, Pedersen says, okay, I'm ready to talk about it. I think that's kind of what they're waiting for. If, if for argument's sake, Pedersen was to show up, uh, come back on the road trip and say, let's start talking, I'm sure Vancouver would be ready. But um, it's just a matter of when the player is comfortable. It feels like the, the sooner they do this is probably better because if he finishes the 130 points and wins the Art Ross Trophy, we might be having a different conversation about what that number no, is. It's, it's already there. Like, uh, yeah. it, it really is. Like, you know, like, look, like the, like, the way this is going, I mean, look, funny things can always happen. Things can change, and I, I hope they don't. I hope it continues to go great for both Patterson and the Canucks, but... Like, there's everybody knows where this is going to go, and it's just a matter of a little bit here and a little bit there. But there's no one here who doesn't recognize where the ballpark of this deal is. So, we've gone a long time here, and we have not mentioned one of the bigger stories of last night, and that was Connor Bedard with a four point performance, um, a, a very great effort against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you know, I pointed this out earlier in the show. Um, I don't know if you recall his his second goal. I mean, even the first one, where he out-muscles Victor Hedman in front of the net. That's that's mm-hmm. quite a feat. But the second one, he made a play, Elliot, that, and I've watched a lot of hockey, and you've watched more than I, and I'm sure you've never seen anything like that, where he reaches out, puts the blade flat, and makes like a behind-the-back pass around Nikita Kucherov to the oncoming Nick Foligno. Like, there there are things that you see in the game. You go, wow, I've never seen that before. But that one is absolutely one of the most creative plays that I've ever seen. And this guy just continues to amaze. He's on pace for 48 goals this season as an 18-year-old on a team that, let's face it, not a lot of expectations. And it's not a great roster for a young player to come on to in terms of skilled players around him. And he's he's surpassing, even with how great he is, I feel like he's still surpassing expectations here. I, I agree with that. And I think he deserves a lot of credit, too, for, you know, just how he's carried himself while a lot of people want to talk to him. Like, you know, he's, you know, he's sort of, in that first week, he was kind of the face of the league in terms of uh, doing all the interviews and talking to everybody. And I think that is a real positive sign for him, too, and a real understanding of what being the number one pick is all about. So, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I think the other thing, too, is... And, I just remember going to an event this year, uh, the Western Canadian uh, Scouting Association, and you know where Ron was being uh, honored, and just talking to some scouts there about seeing Bedard last year at the combine, and what they talked about was how physically strong he is. Like he he looks like a kid, uh, but he's built like a man, and you wouldn't necessarily know it from looking at him, but he's a physically strong person, and. I think that that is probably as much as anything else that determines how quickly you can be successful. If you have, if you have skill, but you can be easily pushed off the puck, you're going to have a hard time being successful. But Bedard is not easily pushed off the puck because he's strong. And as you mentioned last night with Hedman, he showed it. 
And Hedman just kind of shook his head too. That was kind of the greatest part about all that. Like, okay, what else was I supposed to do here? Uh, but I agree. That's the all by all accounts, he's absolutely ripped. So I, I'm I'm not surprised at that. Uh, a couple of other things before we let you go here. So last night in the Columbus Dallas game, um, this is kind of the second time we've seen a little bit of a power trip from an official, uh, maybe even the third time in a week and a half with the Greg Cronin situation as well. Uh, Jay Woodcroft earlier this week, Thomas Harley gets a high sticking call. Um, Adam Fantilli tells the official that it didn't hit him, but the way he reacted was kind of snapped his head back. And even, even former official Dave Jackson on the broadcast said like, you know, that's a natural reaction for a player to snap their head back when he goes near you. And then Adam Fantilli, when telling the referee that gets an unsportsmanlike condo, like, I know there was a memo sent out to teams and, you know, they're trying to crack down on how, you know, coaches are speaking to officials and players are speaking to officials, but that's twice in a week where, you know, no, no swearing, no profanity and really kind of nothing situations where guys are getting penalized for it. You know, I'll say this, the one about Woodcroft, I had someone point out to me that Kevin Pollock, who was the referee in that case, has refereed more than 1,500 games, and that's the first time he's thrown out a coach. So something happened there that Pollock, who does not have a reputation as being a hothead, didn't like. The one thing I will agree with you uh, on is that the lack of transparency is a big problem. And I even think it hurts the officials. Like, the fact that they don't want to talk, it hurts them. And I don't know if that's going to change anything, but I think it's true. And even though, like, I had a couple people say to me that Pollock is not known for having that kind of temper. Um, You know, the thing last night with Fantilli, like, I I don't disagree with Fantilli at all. Um, I think where this comes from is that, and when I listened to Fantilli's explanation, it made sense to me, Matt, like it does to you. Yeah. The one one thing I do know is that um, the... The head, the head snap thing is a big deal. And a guy who was really good at it, for lack of a better term, was Thomas Placanitz. And I remember in the playoffs a few years ago, he drew a couple penalties with it, and it became a big deal. So, like, I know that it's something that officials are very sensitive to, but, like, I agree with you on the fact that Here's a young guy who's taken off the shield or the, or the cage. And if he's, if he's like, as far as I know, Fantilli has no history of being a complainer or a problem on the ice. Um, as a matter of fact, his attitude is, is, is great. Um, I, I think you, I, that's, just, that's a case where I don't think there's anything wrong with listening to the player. Um, again, barring anything I'm told that explains that Fantilli deserved it, I agree with you that it looks like a real thin skin thing. And, you know, I, like, I just don't think it's good. It, like people are buying tickets to watch guys like Fantilli play. And I just don't think it's good if it's undeserved and it looks undeserved. And my thing is with all of that is that it's not like Fantilli's trying, he's not trying to show the guy up. Like we saw this happen last year when Kale McCarr drew a penalty and then said, no, hold on a second. Like it didn't happen. And the penalty was actually taken off the board. Like what, what is wrong with it in that situation? Like it's not Fantilli. That's the natural reaction. 
anybody who's played hockey, whether you have a cage on or not, when a stick comes up high, your natural reaction is to get your face out of the way. And that's kind of what it felt like last night. And then for the referee, after being told like, hey, it didn't hit me, you know, Fantilli could have just skated away and then the ref would have looked like, you know, an e- even more of a, a jerk that he called the penalty. Fantilli just says, hey, you know what? This is what happened, whatever. The, to get an unsportsmanlike conduct for that. And Fantilli doesn't want to be labeled, as he said, as a guy who is looking for calls. I just don't, I really didn't like that. And I don't like the precedent that it sets. Oh, I understand exactly what you're saying. The, the one thing, like I said, the one thing I will say is that face snapping a couple years ago, um, the league, like the league has really gone hard after diving and embellishing uh, a few times in the past few years. And I know, I can't remember if it was last year's playoffs or two years ago's playoffs. It was a real thing. Like people were really complaining about embellishment. So I understand why officials are sensitive to embellishment, but I think when, like, unless Fantilli said something he shouldn't have said, and I've got no reason to believe that right now, I do believe, like, I find that the best, like, the best relationships are when people aren't, don't have hair-trigger tempers, and they can listen to each other's positions. And I agree, it looks last night that the officials overreacted, um, but, you know, I, I, the one thing I would just say is, is there any evidence... Again, is there any evidence that Fantilli did anything over the line? And this is where not talking to reporters, it hurts the officials. Yeah, I, would I, I really feel, I feel strongly about that. I would agree with that. Uh, one more before we let you go. Morgan Frost, uh, didn't, we didn't get to this yesterday, but I wanted to. It was from your, your 32 thoughts. You scratched it against San Jose the other night. Uh, he's only played six games. He hasn't registered a point. Like, what's the end game here for Philly with Morgan Frost? Like, yeah, it doesn't sound like they want to trade him, but... If this is an issue with a coach-player relationship and, and if they are looking to move him, isn't the best course of action to, you know, have him play and at least try and improve his stock? Because he's not getting any better sitting in the press box right now, and he is still a young player. Like, do you have any sense of what's going on with Morgan Frost and the relationship with the Flyers right now? Well, I, look, I, I just think that... Um, I, I guess I, I just think that, uh, like, the player can't be happy. Like, the one thing I've heard about Frost is he's really trying not to put gasoline on the fire. He's, he's not trying to create uh, anything that um, really spirals this out of control. Um, I, like, as far, like, as far as earlier this week, he hadn't asked for a trade. I checked around. Um, but, like, any young player, you don't like this. You want to play. And the other thing, too, and I do think Tortorella is right about this, it doesn't make any sense to have Frost play on like your fourth line. Like, this is a guy who had a good year last year. He uh, he had a career best in points. He's a talented guy. If you're not going to put him in a position where he can score, it doesn't really help you or him anyway. So look, I I like I just heard also. I don't think Philadelphia was close to anything that they really liked. I think teams have called them. I don't believe that there's that they're serious there's anything there that's serious that's made philly think oh maybe we'll do this so it's kind of in the nowhere zone right now and that's not easy for the player but you know last i've heard that's where we are well we will wait with bated breath to see what the future of morgan frost with the philadelphia flyers is in the coming weeks elliot thanks so much for doing this pal enjoy the weekend and uh you get to talk to jeff on monday so i don't know if that's better or worse for you 
I don't. It's like out of the frying pan or the fire. Indifferent. Okay, excellent. All right, there he goes. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. 